Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. I recognize that today is March, which is 3, and it's the 16th. So it's March. It's 316. So it's Gospel Day. Of course, every day is Gospel Day. Um, Every day is a day that the Lord has made. Every day is a day we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is a day in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even on those days when, whew, normal isn't normal. And so I recognize that. Um, I recognize that our new normal, to which we are going to bed every night and then waking up new every day, uh, isn't normal at all. Um, I realize that. I recognize that. We're going to talk about that today and in the days to come. Um, what what was normal yesterday um, was not even normal a week ago. And so today, what is going to be normal among us or normalizing among us, we just acknowledge isn't normal at all. And so um, what I would like for us to get our hearts and minds around a little bit is that this is an experience of humility. Um, for some, it is an experience of of what you might think of as humiliation, right? So we either bow, we either bow in our human finitude before um, the majesty of the Lord our God, or there are times when we find ourselves bowed, right? So humility is my recognizing that I am a creature and not the creator, that I am finite and not infinite, that I am um, under the guidance and leadership and sovereignty and grace of the Lord our God, or I discover that, in fact, I am not quite as big as I thought I was and in charge of as much as I thought I was, and I find myself humbled. So I lift up uh, Philippians chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 4 today. Uh, for those of us who are Christians who recognize this coronavirus as a unique opportunity, not only for uh, the spread of the gospel, but for those of us who are Christians to humble ourselves and consider the needs of others before ourselves in these days. There are going to be opportunities for you if you are healthy, for you if you have resources, for you um, if you have the ability to um, self-isolate. There are going to be opportunities for you to do that, and it is going to be an act of grace and mercy toward the most vulnerable in our community and in our world who cannot do that. Um, And so this is not a, I didn't get to go skiing on my spring break, where can I go now opportunity. This is a um, thank God for preserving me and my family to this point. Let us do what is right and righteous in terms of self-sacrifice toward others. Um. What's happening in everyone's minds right now, literally everyone, 
because we're human beings and this is the way that we structure our thinking. We continually evaluate our environments for threats. We're asking ourselves, what is threatening me right now? How serious is that threat? How big is this problem? And this isn't just a matter of individual assessment. We're also assessing that for our kids and our parents. And it's a larger social experiment. We are assessing our environments, our institutions, even our neighbors, everyone and everything right now that we come in contact with. We are asking ourselves, is this person or this place or this experience a threat to me? Or is this interaction a potential threat to others? So it's not just a question of how great a threat is this to me? And is it therefore worth my risk? How much is it going to cost me? As Christians, our minds are also assessing the threat that we become to others by failing to do what we are being asked to do, which is to restrict our movement, um, stay at home as much as we can, and, and thereby provide for the kind of social distancing that's going to be necessary for the curve to flatten out and for um, fewer people who are most vulnerable to contract the coronavirus um, in an acute level which, frankly, our hospitals, no, no hospital system across the world has sufficient number of, uh, of ICU facilities. No one has enough respirators. And so it's not as if America is, is not prepared. No one is prepared. This is a pandemic. No one is prepared. And so how can we together, as citizens not only of this great nation, but citizens of the kingdom of God, behave in such a way um, that we take not only our own concerns, but the concerns of others into account? I'm going to continue this conversation in just a moment with Peter Kapsner. We'll be right back. All right, joining me now, Dr. Peter Kapsner. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Carmen. So this is literally affecting everyone. Here, um, here are a list of my friends and what's going on in their lives. I have a friend in Seattle whose daughter has a boyfriend um, who's both the boyfriend and the mom have tested positive, positive and are hospitalized. So now my friend is trying to figure out, does he go get his daughter and bring her home or does that then expose the rest of the family? In an, you know, it, it, I mean, right? So how do you serve your kid in the midst of all that? A friend in Colorado... Oh whose son lives in a community for young adults with mental health challenges. She could do a drive-by, but she wasn't even, like, allowed to stop and interact with him in the driveway. Uh, a friend in the Indiana whose family decided just a couple of weeks ago it was time to move their mom into a nursing home because dad is just no longer able to do at home what all the things that she needs. Um, and now he can't visit her. And so the, the just the raging guilt that he's experiencing um, I have a friend who's got a, a son who's a senior in high school. They were headed to the state basketball championship in there. It hadn't happened in a number of years for their high school and their community. This is his kids like shot at college as well. That is now um, canceled. Um, this touches everybody. Right. And um, I, I've got another friend who's got a special needs child. She's now been at, um, home for a week from school. And let's just say the wheels are coming off that bus pretty fast at home as that child who really needs Routine, 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 and that mom um, just can't provide it in the way that you know a, a constellation of services provided by the school is able to. So um, it touches everybody. What about you? What's your story? What's going on at the Capsner household? 
Yeah, boy, when you when you kind of outline it like that, Carmen, disruption is the word that comes to mind. I know it's been used, and and the government even a few weeks ago was saying words like "be prepared to be disrupted." Well, uh, I think we're all being disruptive in in ways that is unprecedented, probably for most of our lives. I don't think you know many people, if anybody, are still alive from sort of the Spanish flu days and uh, and how. Uh, this is so disruptive because we're also so globally interconnected and and people are all over the world. Our loved ones are over the world. So we're disrupted in the sense that my parents uh, went to visit some friends of theirs in Arizona, very long-term friends. And my parents are in their seventies and my brother and I are saying, gosh, we don't know that we want to get you on a plane. I was uh, chatting with Hallie, my wife last night and saying, we're willing to drive to Arizona to go pick them up, you know, with, with uh, people in their 60s and 70s and 80s being among the most vulnerably affected right now. And, and uh, we just were concerned for their safety. My mother-in-law and father-in-law are in Florida visiting friends as well. So same kind of deal. And we don't know when they're going to get home entirely. And of course, uh, we, we homeschool our kids. And so we're maybe not quite as disrupted from a school standpoint. But I have sisters and brothers and friends and neighborhood people. I, they don't really know for sure what they're going to do with their children. And they have means, a lot of them do, so they can sort it out. But then we know people who don't necessarily have the economic means to be able to sort things out with their kids and their jobs are at risk. So I think you could have every single listener of Mornings with Carmen call in today with a similar kind of story about the level of disruption that this presents. Um, we could, except that having 100,000 people call us right now would be disruptive. It would be. That's very true. It's very true. <laughs> yes. So I don't think Paul we, would want to answer the phone. I, don't, I know. Paul would be like, I'm so sorry. No one is able to answer the phone. But we do want to hear from people. So what if we have them yes. text us at 877-933-2484? Um, what's the greatest disruption you're experiencing because of the coronavirus? So just yeah. text me. The, what's the greatest disruption you're experiencing at this point because of the coronavirus? Uh, 877, what, what's our phone number? 933-2484. Is that right? 877-933-2484. That, right. that is correct, yes. Yeah. Oh, speaking of share. Okay, so um, Peter, um, our sister station, our sister music station is doing their share campaign our sister music station in the twin cities which is K- yeah, KTIS, KTIS yeah. also in madison wisconsin they are doing their share campaigns this week and so um let me just use this opportunity to say hey if you love christian music and you want to be supportive of your christian music station we want to encourage you to do that we're going to be having our share campaign um here at faith radio in a few weeks and um, maybe this is just an opportunity to sort of till the generous soil of people's hearts, recognizing that radio does not go off the air. When everything else in your life is disrupted, let me just go ahead and tell you, we're going to be here every day on the air, doing what we do, bringing the gospel to bear on everyday life. We want you to share what we're doing with other people who um, need this kind of thing now. They didn't ever know they needed it before, but they know they need it now. Um, so we want you to share it with them. And we also want you if you're in a position to do so, do so to share your resources with those of us uh, doing this ongoing ministry. Hey, Peter and I are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, a new reality set in for Christians across the country yesterday as churches closed across America and around the world. Um, I am talking with Dr. Peter Kapsner. Um, Peter, did did your church, my church did, we suspended our church, well, I say we, 
Um, worship was suspended yesterday. Sunday school classes were suspended. Youth activities have been suspended this week. Um, my guess is that now that the CDC today is rolling out um, its new recommendations, which is nobody gathered together in groups of more than 50 for the next eight yeah. weeks, most yeah. churches um, are going to be in, you know, in this sort of suspended, let's do this online as best we can mode. Um, let's talk about um, home worship. Let's talk about family worship practices. And and let's talk about um, how it is that we fellowship in very small settings or even one-on-one with the Lord. Yeah, it's something that our family has begun doing more and more on a Sunday afternoon, and specifically with another family uh, that we've been longtime friends with. And they have five children as well uh, as us. And so we sort of have this thriving kids ministry when we gather together on, on a Sunday afternoon. But what we do together in those moments, and, and it is going to, again, we've used the word disruptive. It's going to be very disrupting. I know I'm the church that I grew up in and, and still regularly am a, and a part of, I'm giving the sermon in a couple of weeks and I'll probably, it sounds like going on a Friday morning to an empty sanctuary. And, uh, and then that'll be streamed on Sundays for families. And so that is one option for families that whatever their church is doing, they probably will be streaming in some sort of message that they can uh, take in together as a family at home. And for us, we might do some of that kind of thing as we're together with our friends, but we also read the scriptures a bit together the parents might uh, walk the kids through some things, and then we have some family conversations. So we we spend probably about 30 to, to 40 minutes in the scriptures and, and talking through the different stories of them. We'll sing a bit. I'm, I'm absolutely not a worship leader in any way, shape, or form. And uh, thank goodness we have some people that can actually sing. And it's kind of sweet when, uh, as families, we sing together. And then the one thing we do, Carmen, that we make sure we do each time is we take communion together. And it's a really uh, amazingly simple but amazingly beautiful time with our kids as we pass the bread and the wine uh, around. And again, we have to rethink this a little bit in terms of, of the virus and make sure everybody is healthy and, and figure out exactly how to do this practice together. But that community time is really anchoring. And in, in a time of such incredible uncertainty and in a time, as you said in your opening monologue, in which there's such a finitude being revealed about who we are as people, uh, you know, the future is always one great variable, regardless of what our phone calendar might say. We really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And when we embrace that fact and the finitude of that fact, it calls us into a different kind of life. And that communion table is a place of reminder of what we've signed up for. Uh, it's a reminder of who we are and the people that we are. And most importantly, it's a reminder that the heart of the gospel is, yes, Good Friday obviously is uh, such a significant part of the gospel, but it's only half the story. The the other half and the real heartening part of the gospel is the Sunday morning and that the tomb is empty. And and because he lives, uh, as the song was that Paul played at the beginning of all of this, uh, we will live too. And we will see tomorrow, even if the worst does happen. And communion sort of just reminds us of all of that and it re-anchors us. And then we share a meal together around the table. And by the time we're done, you can sort of face tomorrow. You You can you can walk in this world in a different way, and it doesn't mean it's going to be absent of fear, and it doesn't mean it's going to be absent of even the worst happening. As we said, that the virus might hit our household. We are aware, and we've talked uh, with our kids about that fact, and yet the only thing that can really anchor us in all of that and bring any kind of alleviation to that fear is the fact we're a part of an eternal kingdom. And so to gather like that with those elements in play, it can still be a beautiful part of our time, and I think for a lot of people it would help alleviate that fear. Okay, so as you're referring to, um, you know, a song there, um, because he lives, 
Uh, I'm wondering, and you and I are probably not, mus- I am not a music enough person to do this, but I have people in my family who are. So I think I'm going to assign a teenager in my household today that we need a playlist for the next couple yeah. of weeks. I mean, you know, right. our kids are out, our kids are out of school for, I'm just going to say the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that doesn't mean they won't be doing schoolwork because they will be. Uh, that doesn't mean they won't be doing other things because they will be. But I also need to come up with some projects to give them. So. Uh, Rita Wilson um, has posted her, co- I'm not even going to say it right, but it'd be like the word quarantine, but the word tunes at the end. So Quora tunes <laughs> is a whole Spotify it. station or something now. Um, and then there's yeah. a, then there's Corona tunes. And so I think that in our family, like this is an opportunity to give young people something to do that would allow them to provide an ongoing resource to your family, right? Like, okay, we need some, we need a worship set that is, that is related to this and they need to be hopeful um, and they need to be, you know, God honoring and all of that. But let them sort of participate in all of this by putting together your family Quora tunes or Corona tunes um, playlist. There you go. There's an idea. Just, yeah, I love I'm gonna that. Be the, and, and I'm going to be the yeah, I'm going to be the ideator. That's what I'm going. That's going to be my role in <laughs> our not community. Sing, Carmen? No, I'm just going to ideate. I'm just going to come up with with ideas that people who have to stay at home can do. <laughs> I love that. Well, I love the needs- idea of a list. If I can just jump into on one piece of that, when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, gosh, one of my favorite songs is Andrew Peterson's song, His Heart Beats. And it's almost as if Andrew Peterson was somehow standing right next to that empty tomb and saw what happened in those moments. And uh, and, and so I, it would be great. I mean, I, you know, it's your show this morning. I'm not going to have the listeners text in on this, but it would be great to see a playlist of people saying, hey, you know, what are all the songs about hope and future and, and resurrection? I want that for my family. I would love to have that streaming in our house at this time. Right. Okay. So that's what we we also want. In addition to you texting us, like what's the what's the major disruption you're experiencing because of the coronavirus? We also want to um, text text your playlist ideas. What's the what's the play playlist that we as Christians should be playing during this, and that we could be sharing positively with others? The number is eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Great place to uh, text your prayer concerns as well, so that we Love can that. be uh, that we can be on that. Um, okay, so Peter, even as schools and non-essential retail all closes up, um, gas stations, banks, grocery stores, pharmacies—they're going to all remain open. Delivery services are all going to be operational. Let's talk about the responsibility that we have as people who, at this point, are healthy and able to stay home. Let's talk about the importance of staying home um, as good stewards of health and also good ministry to those who are the most vulnerable in our communities. Yeah, I think that's really critically important. We just simply don't know enough about this virus. I've done a quite a bit of reading, as I'm sure many listeners have as well. And in all of this unknown, the last thing we need to be, I would suggest, is uh, cavalier about it all. I, we don't need to be fearful about all of it. I understand the fear, but we don't need that part. But we certainly don't need to be cavalier saying, hey, it's not in my community. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to be that. When when we can all be carriers and don't necessarily even know it, it's really important to be thinking of other people and thinking about how the impact of my decisions might actually impact another person's life. And that's the call of the Christian faith, regardless of what's going on in the world. This has just given us a stark reminder of that, that our actions have reactions and they ripple out. And uh, in this case, I think to be careful, I mean, I'm sitting here with my, I, I was out of, of course, the stores were out of hand sanitizer. So I picked up a of some sort of tin of Clorox wipes, you know, and it's not exactly my favorite thing to wipe down my hands with. And they're, let's just say a little chafed right now from being out. And yet I'm mindful. I don't want to be spreading this virus 
to other people as well. And we have some people that are live down the street from us that my wife was talking to my older son, Caleb, about it the other day and saying, hey, you have a relationship with her just based on maybe playing some games and puzzles in the past. Why don't we just check in with her? And we've made the room above our garage available if somebody needs a place to stay, an international student, something along those lines. So this is an opportunity where we can, in just really simple ways, generously give to people. And maybe one last piece of that, too, is I was <laughs> in Costco the other morning and I had to leave because it was just so crazy. The, the, the cars were 15 people deep in every checkout aisle. But even just in those moments to stand and to laugh people and still look them in the eye and say, hey, thank you for the work that you're doing uh, here on behalf of so many, just the tireless work of checking people out and all of that. There's so many opportunities for us to think in other centered ways and and to, like I said, not be cavalier about this whole situation. Absolutely. OK, I love all of those um, all of those encouraging ideas. Let's let's be mindful in these days of Philippians chapter two, verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, let us value others above ourselves, not looking out only for our own interest, but also also for the interests of others. All right, Peter, thank you so much, as always, for being with us. Yeah, love you guys. Thanks for doing what you're doing and being a voice of, uh, of the gospel and the kingdom right here this morning. We'll talk to you later this week. Sounds good. We'll be right back. All right. uh, From a couple of listeners already who have texted in on the disruption question for one listener, the big disruption is going to be uh, her church is not going to have an Easter service. Um, For another uh, listener, the concern is um, exposure in her job. She supervises visits between parents and their children for her state's Department of Child and Family Services. And so um, concerns all the way around in terms of people's ability to um, to get to those uh, uh, appointments and then um, obviously the exposure of everybody involved to everybody else's germs and just the rising, you know, right? So there's just a lot of stress already in those families. So let's lift one another up in prayer as we approach these things. Um, also, uh, thank you to those of you who are texting in your ideas for the playlist. The song Better by Pat Garrett has been lifted up as one option. So again, you can text your What's my major disruption? Um, Could also be what's my primary prayer concern related to the coronavirus. And also, what would you put on your coronavirus playlist? Like, what what should our playlist be in these days? 877-933-2484. When we come back, Scott James is going to be here. He's a doctor. He's a pediatrician in the Infectious Disease Center in Birmingham, Alabama. He's also an elder at his church and a children's book author. So we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff with Scott James when we come back. It's a topic many of us would rather dodge. It can make both parents and children alike squirm. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I'm talking about our sexually charged culture. The temptations for inappropriate sexual expression and experimentation abound. And though it's easier to assume that your kids are making right choices, there's no substitute for a healthy one-on-one conversation. Mom, Dad... Take some control and have the conversation. Empower your kids to make wise choices by opening up the dialogue at home. How soon? At what age do you broach the subject? That's a question you have to answer. But I'll tell you this, it's probably sooner than you think. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org. Again, parentingtodaysteens.org.
Joining me now is Scott James. Uh, Scott serves as an elder at the church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. He and his wife, Jamie, have four kids. He also works as a pediatric physician. He's the author of uh, a number of family worship books, one that is relevant to this uh, this season that we're in. He's got a two-week family Easter devotional called Mission Accomplished. And then he's here today uh, primarily to talk about his brand new children's book, Where is Wisdom? Scott, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thanks so much for having me. All right. I would be remiss if I didn't at least start off with a question. You know, you're you're a doctor, but you're also a dad. So how are you guys talking with your kids about all of the disruptions that we're experiencing right now? Yeah, there's a lot going on. We're we're trying to think through it uh, calmly and wisely with our kids. We're trying to face the reality of what's going on and, and not sugarcoat things, uh, not sweep things under the rug, but you know, let them let them know uh, that it's a it's a serious situation that we're paying close attention to, and we're doing everything we can to be wise and to love our neighbors well by the way we act. We want to protect ourselves, and we want to you know protect everyone around us, uh, including people that are even higher risk than I am or my children are. So we're we're thinking through this in a safety and a wisdom kind of kind of way, and of course pointing them to God all the time, trusting God. God is in control. I don't know what He's up to right now with this, uh, but He's He's in control, and and we're trusting that He's gonna He's gonna work through this in some way. I think all of us who um, are used to the rhythm of of going to worship on Sunday mornings and. Uh, and participating in other things in the life and fellowship of our church communities throughout the week, um, as an as an elder of a local church, um, maybe the best question this morning is how how can those of us who are not in leadership in our local congregations how could we be praying for those who are? A lot of tough decisions need to be made. A lot of unpopular decisions need to be made. Um, uh, some of them are going to be things that nobody wants to do. No, no church is going to look forward to doing anything that is going to restrict the saints getting together and fellowshipping and gathering together and worshiping corporately. All the things that we hold so dear that are kind of vital uh, expressions of our faith is that that community. So as as leaders are thinking through ways to uh, keep people safe and and limit unnecessary risk. Uh, also thinking through ways to um, be good citizens of the nation that we live in. We love our country and, and we want to, uh, if, if the government and the public health officials are uh, giving guidance and advice and even requirements that are uh, for the public good, we don't want to be the people who flout that, who, who scoff at that and ignore good advice uh, to the detriment of our neighbors. Um, and so I, I would ask as as pastors and elders and church leaders and leaders everywhere are thinking through some really tough decisions, I'd ask for people to just pray for for wisdom, but also for confidence in the Lord that um, that He's He's gonna He's gonna see them through this, and and that if we would just be um, faithful and and seek to make wise choices based on His Word and, and based on the reality that's around us, um, that that we're gonna we're gonna make it through this okay. All right, Scott. So now in answer to both of those questions, um, you have the word wisdom has come up many, many times uh, in relationship to how we are, you know, how we're talking with our kids. We're going to be calm and we're going to be wise. We're going to be wisdom to bear um, in terms of how we as church people are going to be praying for those in leadership. We're praying that they would have wisdom and perfect discernment, um, that they would be able to, you know, discern what is right and righteous and um, and th- then we all would have the wisdom to to follow that leadership in a way that um, is honoring to God and to one another. 
So wisdom comes up a lot. Um, let's talk about your new book. Where is wisdom? Um, it's it's for kids, but I got to tell you that for adults who are searching for wisdom and hunting for wisdom, um, it's a treasure. Tell us a little bit about where is wisdom. Well, yeah, the way you you even introed into that is is just a a beautiful facet of wisdom in, in, in that it is it's not a man made thing. And so even as I'm uh, asking for prayer for leaders and thinking through how I'm leading my family, I'm praying for wisdom. But I first and foremost have to recognize that that wisdom doesn't come from me primarily. That this is a wisdom that comes from uh, from God. And and so wisdom the, the the way that I frame it in the book is just that essentially. Uh, there's wondrous things all over this world, and and God, in a sense, has sent us on a treasure hunt to to just discover the beauty of this world and to see uh, all the good things He has created, and and uh, the the people and the friends and the things that that He's created that we can delight in and that we can worship Him because of how great they are. Uh, and, and yet, sometimes we can get lost looking at those things, and we sort of, you know, as the 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 proverbial statement goes, we we concentrate on the gift rather than the giver. And so what I see in, in Job 28 is what caught my heart was, was someone look, kind of shining the spotlight on these treasures of earth and saying, these things are fantastic. Uh, look how adept men and women are at kind of diving into these things and seeing their, their awesomeness. And then he takes that spotlight and he shines it up to God and he says kind of in comparison, this is where it comes from. This is what's truly great about this. Uh, and it's this idea that you're not going to find wisdom. You're not going to find true satisfaction and hope in the things of this earth and the things that that, that are uh, creation. And so ultimately, when we can't find satisfaction in the creation, we need to look upwards to the creator. Uh, and so the call is for wisdom. It's, it's essentially to have a right relationship with God. So the whole book is just this encouragement for children uh, to basically where Job 28 ends. It's the fear of the Lord. It's a desire to love him and obey his word and to live in a, in a, a right relationship with him. And so that, that sort of wisdom, I think first and foremost has got to be a, a God given thing, a God wrought thing in, in which as, uh, the spirit is sort of working itself, uh, working my life out, um, and raising me up and, and helping me grow in Christ, uh, the, the wisdom is going to be pointing us, uh, the spirit's going to be pointing us towards, uh, a true wisdom that's found in God. Where is Wisdom is a book for children, but it's also um, a book for adults. If you have not recently mined the scriptures for the treasures therein, particularly the treasure of wisdom, we want to invite you to do so. Um, I'm going to invite you into Job 28 today. The entire chapter is worth um, is worth mining. It's worth uh, seeing as a treasure hunt for wisdom. That is the premise of the book, Where is Wisdom? A Treasure Hunt Through God's Wondrous Word, inspired by Job 28. The author is Scott James. I do have five copies to give away. And so if you are interested in a copy, you've got children four to eight. That's sort of the uh, target age range here. Um, we would we would love to share these with you. You can enter the drawing for one of the copies we have by texting the word book to 877-933-2484. Scott James and I will be right back. Continuing my conversation with Scott James, uh, among other things, the author of Where is Wisdom? A Treasure Hunt Through God's Wondrous Word, inspired by Job 28. It is a book designed to be read to and then with and then I would say by children. Um, and so we want to encourage you, if you're interested in 
entering the drawing to win one of the copies we have here in the studio. Simply text the word book to 877-933-2484. Scott, right before the break, you teed up this conversation by saying, hey, the beginning of wisdom is actually the fear of the Lord, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I want to talk about the fear of the Lord. It takes some wisdom to even understand what that is. That's right. And it seems to me my whole life, uh, at least my recollection of it, is that whenever the fear of the Lord is mentioned, there's a, a kind of an immediate backtrack of like, oh, 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 but wait, it doesn't mean actual fear. Like we don't, we're not supposed to be afraid. And and there's this desire to kind of take everything away uh, from what the word fear means rather than to dive more deeply into uh, what that word might be meaning and what God is trying to communicate there. And so I, I think it's something that we should, we should really think through and consider with our kids and, and hold up as a model for them. And the way I think through it is um, if I'm thinking about God and I'm thinking about uh, how I relate to him, we want to have a right relationship with him and we want kind of our life to reflect that relationship. And so I think there's an essence in which when we revere him and we behold his awesome glory, uh, we also comparatively look at ourselves and we re- recognize that we fall short of his standard. And so there there should necessarily be some if, – if we're in our right mind – there's some component of fear there where if he's the king, I talk to my kids in kind of simple terms. If he's the king, I owe him my allegiance. He like, he created me. He's, he's the boss. Uh, and so if I'm in rebellion against him, if I'm running away from him, if I'm committing high treason against him, I, I should be afraid of him. Like there, there's a right to be, uh, to, to be afraid of, uh, rebelling against the king of all the universe. Right. And, and so I'm, for me, I'm holding up to my kids that fear actually means fear. Like that, that's an okay word. That's not a, a scary word when it comes to God, but that makes the gospel shine all the more because instead of being left in straight up fear and only fear, we, through Jesus Christ, get this relationship that we don't deserve. And we get this God uh, as our father. And so we, we get this loving, joyful, delightful, uh, comfortable relationship uh, in which the fear of the Lord actually kind of then sort of transforms into, a, it doesn't go away, but it transforms into just this awe and this reverence and this, um, it shapes us. It makes our desires want to be in line with his. Uh, and that's in, in essence what Job is getting at there is that that's what wisdom is, is when you recognize who you are in relationship to God, you recognize that there is a component of you have been, um, you're unworthy, but you have been brought into his, his courts and you've been made worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and so that fear actually transforms into, uh, reverence and awe. Uh, and so I, to me, I'm, I'm communicating that to my kids and I, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm callous, but I just think if my kids are running far away from God, like I kind of want there to be a little component of fear to, to make them sort of realize what they're doing. And then, and then hopefully the, the spirit will lead them to repent and come back into his loving arms. Yeah, there's a reason the word awe is the root of not just awesome, but awful, right? I mean, yeah. There's some, yeah, exactly. Okay, it just so, flows hey, out of having a high view of God. No, absolutely, absolutely. Scott, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about how wisdom is walked out in life, because it's one thing to, you know, uh, be a person of wisdom who then is seated in some high place that nobody ever um, interacts with, right? It's another thing to be a person who is walking wisdom out, um, your word is nimble, nimbly in everyday life. Talk, talk with us about that. The thing that the thing that I have found most helpful in thinking through this is, is thinking of uh, faith and wisdom as 
kind of a bedrock foundation that is able to be, um, it's basically able to pivot and face any situation coming your way. So if I've got, um, if I want my kids to behave a certain way, one method for me as a father is to make a list of rules and say, okay, I want, I want this end result. I want you to behave this way. And so here's 10 rules for our house that I expect you to follow. And then the end result is if you follow all those rules, you will, you will be behaving in accordance to what I want. Right. And so there's areas where that's true and that's, that's, that's good. I don't mean to like completely, um, uh, you know, dismiss, dismiss that. So there are, are commandments, so to speak in God's word, there are straight up commandments in God's word where we are called to just, just trust him and obey it. But there's also this component of wisdom where he can't give us and he and his wisdom has decided not to just give us a straight up list of rules for us to face every situation that comes our way uh there you know we're we're in the midst of facing a global pandemic and there's lots of wisdom in scripture about how to face this but there's no straight up verse that says when the you know viral transmission reaches global community spread here's how you act right so wisdom for us means we're taking the precepts that god does have in his word and we're taking the foundational faith faith that we have in him. And then we're able to be nimble in our faith. And so whatever comes our way, we've got kind of the basis and the relationship and the the character that God has given us uh, that's going to be able to react to whatever comes our way. And, and in a way that's just, I don't know, it's, there's more nuance to it. So it's a little bit trickier. It'd be, I kind of say jokingly, I'd, I'd I think it would be maybe easier if he just gave us a list of specific rules to follow so that we could be wise or at least appear to be wise. And I think honestly, uh, God's too smart for that. All <laughs> right. So he's, he's just said, just trust me and live a life that is, uh, in accordance to my word and you will be wise. You will be, uh, able to face whatever comes your way. And that's so comforting to me because your life, my life, all the things that we're going through right now, there are things that come my way that I never could have or would have seen coming. And so I, I can't prepare for everything comprehensively, uh, but I can trust in God in every situation. I'm, I'm, I'm writing down some notes for a conversation that I'm going to have with our teenagers because we, um, uh, at church, we have just entered into a few weeks ago, the study of the book of Romans. And so, you know, because we move slowly, we're only in Romans chapter two. Um, but the conversation this past week has been, what's the difference in, you know, just physical circumcision or laws that are written on tablets um, or a uh, or a religion guided by rules versus um, the circumcision of the heart, um, mm-hmm. laws written on the human heart and a life that is guided and in step with the spirit more and more conformed to who Christ is by the transforming of our minds through his word. And I'm going to I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this conversation today to say, OK, what we're talking about really is not only the discovery of wisdom and the cultivation of it, the mining of it as a treasure um, through, you know, from the scriptures, but then the application, the walking out of this wisdom in our lives. That's it. Yeah, that's that's the perfect parallel. And these are such as a grown man, these are concepts that continue to blow my mind. And every day I'm right? kind of that's learning right. new things about it. So then the opportunity to take that as God's sort of uh, kind of o- awakening these things in my life on a day-to-day basis. Not that I, you know, have figured it out, but I'm every day learning new things about this relationship that I have with him. And so to have a way uh, to, uh, I, I guess, kind of in an engaging and creative way, have that conversation with a six-year-old and and kind of uh, get this concept in front of them and, and allow it to start molding their heart and allowing God's word to start shaping their heart. That's what got me really excited about these concepts that I was thinking through. And it really was 
uh, it was a sermon at my church. We, I was sitting there one night listening to a sermon on Job 28, and my imagination was just sort of exploding uh, with these images that are all throughout this beautiful poetry of, of, of uh, Job 28. The, uh, and so that's the idea of like just what you were just saying in Romans 2 and having that conversation with a teenager – the the there was just this little seed thought uh, several years ago that I there there could be a creative way to get this in front of a a, a four year old a five year old a six year old and have them really latch on to some really key concepts here so that's 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 what I'm hoping happens I, here I just love it I just love it and my Minecraft uh, uh, obsessed um, junior high person um, loved the imagery of the treasure hunt so thank you so much for the whole thing wonderful if you guys are interested in a copy you can uh, text the word book to 877-933-2484. We're giving away copies of Where is Wisdom by Scott James. Um, Otherwise, you can find it everywhere books are sold. Scott, thanks so much, man. Thank you, Carmen. Appreciate you. Really appreciate it. We'll be right back. All right, we want everyone to be walking in the wisdom and the fear of the Lord with knowledge and understanding in these days. Uh, And so I'm going to commend to you Job 28. I'm also going to commend to you um, let me find a, a listener encouragement from 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.